Welcome back to this week's episode of the Jewish Moves Podcast. Today we are honored to host Simcha Eichenstein. He's a member of the New York State Assembly representing the 48th District, which includes the neighborhoods of Borough Park and Midwood. With a background in legislative affairs and intergovernmental work, Simcha has played a crucial role in advocating for the city of New York, crafting essential legislation, and assisting communities in claiming unclaimed funds, as well as doing so much more, some of which we will hear about today. He's also the first Hasidic lawmaker elected to the state legislature. Simcha, welcome to the show. How are you? It's great to be here. Thank you so much for agreeing to join. I think we'll go through your career in a chronological order, which I think begins with you coming into the public eye as an assemblyman when you won the election in 2018. How did you get involved in politics before that? Well, I was uh, born and raised here in Borough Park. Uh, went to Hasidic Yeshiva. Just like everyone else, I grew an interest in politics, uh, like thousands of people do. Uh, I would say my interest was more local, locally focused, right? Like everyone has an opinion of the president of the United States and the national politics. I was my, my interests were, were were more local, um, but again, it was just like you know. You walk into any shul, after davening, of course, you hear uh, people have opinions, and I had my own opinions. Uh, and I got a little bit involved, but I wasn't really, to me, it was never it was never with a goal of staying involved or, or perhaps running for office one, one day. That was like never uh, on the deck of cards of what I will be doing. Um I guess my my introduction to to uh, to government to service was when I was a teenager, and uh, uh, we davened at this shul in Borough Park, a small shul, and I uh, I sat at one table with an individual who was a well-respected person within the community, a philanthropist, a big bal tzedaka, and uh, he had a business in Westchester County. And we always used to, you know how it is, right? Like at the Kiddush, after davening, people share their, you know, experiences and what happened this week and what will happen next week and then predictions and opinions. And he kept sharing with us about the struggles that he was going through with his local, with the, the local county, to the extent that they actually want to shut down his business. And it was kind of like... I mean, I don't know if it's weird if I should say this or not, but it, it was like, out of the blue, I was, I'm going to help you. I'm going to save your business. It's like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? And my friends are like, yeah, sure, here he goes again. And it was more like I had to prove myself. <laughs> I had to prove myself. And um, I started reaching out to um, the from uh, Orthodox uh Jewish people that I knew in Westchester County, like, do you know someone that knows someone, right? And uh, I was introduced to a uh, local county legislator, uh, a community leader in Westchester. And that person thought I'm an important person just because, by way of introduction, right? And uh, he himself couldn't help me. It wasn't his district. But uh, he introduced me to the county executive's office. And I remember calling my uh, my uh, friend from Shul. I mean, my friend, he was, he was a lot older than me, but, you know, I knew him from Shul, and I was like, we have a meeting with the county executive's office to discuss this. 
And he's like, great, you're going to a meeting? I'm like, me? I'm not going to meet. I've never met an elected official in my life. You're going to the meeting. I got you the meeting. Uh, anyway, so he brought along his team and we ended up going to this meeting. And um, it was at that moment that I actually realized you know, it sounds like, it, you know, we, we throw the line around loosely. It's not about what you know, it's who you know. Uh, but it was at that moment that I realized we got in the room and, uh, and I was like, I'm sure there were, I, I remember telling this to the, to the county executive's office prior to the meeting, when I spoke to them on the phone, I was like, I'm sure there were improprieties. And I didn't really at that point understand or even care to understand the details uh, and perhaps he's, he's done some stuff that uh, that were wrong, or he should pay a fine, or needs to, you know, come up with a with a course of action and, and you know and, and correcting whatever it is. But uh, to shut someone down, I mean, that was like government should be here for the people, not against the people, right? Like that's not. I understand it's a bureaucracy. And uh, that was my first taste of public service. We were actually able to, um, it was kind of weird because I didn't even stay involved, right? I like made the, the, the shidduch, I was the introduction. Uh, but, uh, but after that, his lawyers and professionals took over and they went through everything that needed to be corrected. But his business was saved. And whenever they used to make fun of me and show from then on, from, from <laughs> you know, this individual was always like, hey, he saved my business. So, uh, and I just built relationships uh, uh, from there. And uh, it was really not, it was never something that I was, uh, that I was going to continue doing for the rest of my life. And, you know, as you build these relationships and it was one step at a time for me, uh, I, 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 you know, started working in and or around government. Uh, I worked uh, for a while. I worked in the state senate uh, locally here in Borough Park. I worked for uh, I worked with um, Ezra Friedlander, the Friedlander Group, a little bit, uh, and then in 2010, I uh, the state controller controlled in Appley asked me if I uh, want to come join his team, and I was a senior advisor to the state controller for four years. Then in uh, December 2014, I went to work for the mayor uh, at City Hall. I uh, worked on the intergovernmental team. And um, I also did the mayor's uh, state legislative affairs. So very few people know this, but the mayor of the city of New York actually has an office in Albany called the Office of State Legislative Affairs. And then in, um, in April 2018, uh, Assemblyman Dov who has served this community for 36 years, and state assembly um, decided that he will not seek re-election and the seat uh, uh, opened up. And it was a decision that I had to make. I, I wasn't, um, even then, it wasn't something that I was sure I wanted to do. Um, first of all, I know it sounds weird and you may not believe me, but it's true. Naturally, I'm a very shy person. Um, and it was an adjustment for me. My entire career, I was, uh, I was quote unquote behind the scenes, right? Like I was never the face. I was never the principal. Walk into a room with 300 people. I stayed in the back. It was the, the principal that walked up on stage. And here you, you yourself are putting yourself out there. The world, the world of politics is you yourself 
you're promoting yourself. It's not something that I enjoy doing. I never, even if I do something good, I actually don't like talk bragging about it publicly. I feel good about it. I feel good that I did something really good, but I, I just, that's not who I am. Um, and, you know, it's it's a commitment. It's, uh, your, it's a responsibility. It's a commitment. You're away from your family all week for six months out of the year. It's not an easy thing to do. I have four kids, Kanayanara. I mean, the youngest one is now five. The oldest is 16. Being away from the family for six months out of the year is not, is, 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 is it's very tough. It's very tough. Uh, do I want to put myself through it? Do I want to put my family uh, through it? So, you know, it wasn't something that uh, that I immediately jump up. It comes with scrutiny. It comes wherever you go. People are upset. Obviously, I've, I've grown to realize that there is no decision that I can make, that there's no position I could take, that 138,000 people in my district are going to think that that was the right position. So, you know, you have to know that you did the right thing. You have to know that, uh, as I always say, when you go to sleep at night, you have to feel good about the position that you took. And uh, but the idea that you'll be able to please everyone—that's just—that's just impossible. I think it's a famous saying from Mayor Koch: "If you agree with me nine out of ten times, or eight out of ten times, vote for me. Ten out of ten times, find us a guy. You just—you're just not going to find someone." that you agree with 10 out of 10 times. You referenced your work with Bill de Blasio's office and how your early start was not as a politician or through a political office. As you transitioned into the role of being an assemblyman, how and where did you get your knowledge? I assume you weren't as knowledgeable on day one as you are now. Were these videos you watched, books you read, people you spoke to, or something else? Well, I mean, look, I did have the luxury of... I worked in government for, uh, for a decade, and I was in, you know, in and or around government for, for over 15 years, my time I ran for office. So, you know, for example, when I worked for the city of New York, I worked for the mayor, I, you know, I worked on all these things. I knew the legislative process because that's what I did. I knew the budgetary process. Um, not to knock any members, but to be honest with you, I was more in the weeds on many of these things and probably members of the legislature. Uh, the city of New York is the largest municipality in the state of New York. It is the economic engine to the state of New York. Uh, that's where the revenue comes from. Uh, so, like, we were, you know, I, 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 this, the team, we were involved in all these things. So I did have the luxury of coming to Albany knowing all of these things. So, for example, in my first year, my first bill that I passed, was um i was, it, i'm not sure if you're familiar i don't know where you're from but everyone here locally knows of the summer youth employment program yeah it's called a youth corps youth corps uh youth corps so that's a that's a program that benefits uh thousands uh, thousands of people within our local my my district our local neighborhood here in bar park kensington midwood young adults benefit from this program really good program popular citywide, uh, no matter what community you go throughout the city, right? We want young adults during the summer, want them to work. We don't want them to roam, roam the streets. No good comes out of that. Uh, there was an issue that uh, came to my attention uh, during my years that I worked for the, for, for the mayor's office that 
the annual household income, the income from uh, summer youth employment counts against your annual household income. So there were people that were literally at the threshold or right below the threshold as it relates to public benefits that either in some instances were unaware and they lost their benefits. Uh, in some cases, they actually encouraged their children not to participate because that $2,000 income over the summer months will now bump that household over the threshold and they could potentially lose, uh, potentially they will lose their, their public benefits. Um, so I put in a bill to uh, eliminate the, or exclude, I should say, the income from SYEP towards the annual household income as it relates to public assistance. Obviously, whenever you do these tax exemptions, it's a bit controversial because, you know, where do you draw the line? You open the, the, the next program and the next program. Um, it is rare <laughs> in my first year to get such a bill passed, but I knew the process. And I got 83 members of my conference to sign on to my bill. And by the time I went to leadership to start pushing the bill, I already knew I have the majority of the conference that supports the bill. So those, I don't want to call it little tricks, right? Like which generally takes a year or two for you to catch on to the old, like I already knew that going into it. So I had that experience. Um, so it's so in a way I was I was a little spoiled, but again, there's it's it's never the, it's not the same being a staffer, and and even if you're in the room on all these you know negotiations and legislation, then when you are the, the 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 elected itself, so it was a huge transition for me, um, and. I'm not going to lie, you become a bit more comfortable as time goes uh, goes by. Like, I mean, you're not as comfortable day one as you are 30 days into it, three months into it. But then, you know, you you build your relationships with your colleagues. And again, I came into a chamber where I knew everyone prior to me, to, to me running for office because I was every session day in Albany. And I've worked with all these elected officials. And I mean, the New York City delegation, I, I worked with all of them. I knew their districts, I knew their issues because they obviously always came to the mayor's office with their, with, with their you know, local issues. So it was very different for me. I may not be that typical, you know, prime example of coming into the chamber and all of a sudden, you know, like, how did you take all of this in on day one? You know what I mean? So I kind of knew, I knew all the ropes. You had experience. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So during orientation, for example, it was funny because like, you know, obviously they all come in and present and it was like, oh, you like, I knew everyone and like, you know the process. So they always picked on me. If they tried to pick in my class of new members, they tried to pick on one to, you know, for example, it was like, they always pick on Simka. But, uh, but, but to your point, like, you know, on how to navigate, like, all these things, you know, the bill that I just mentioned, that is a prime example of, look, I'm in a chamber of 150 members. At the end of the day, I'm one out of 150. 
I'm not getting anything done on my own. As important as some would like to believe I am, I'm one out of 150. The only way you get things done in Albany is you need majority of my house come along on, on a piece of legislation. You need the majority of the Senate to come along, and obviously you need the governor to sign that into law. So it's a process, and you work you work with your colleagues, and uh, it can be very frustrating at times. It can be very, very frustrating. And uh, Albany government, particular Albany, moves very slow. And that is a very, very frustrating. I'm not, I'm not a politician. I'm a public, public advocate, right? You call yourself a public that's advocate. Good. And I, I, that's, that's what I, I, I don't, as we said before, I didn't get into it because I wanted to be an elected official and I wanted to be that person. In fact, that was probably when I wrote down all the pros and the cons on the piece of paper, like whether I should do it or shouldn't do this. Trust me, this was on the negative. This was on the con side. It was not like, that's not what I want. I took a pay cut when I first ran for office. I'm not doing, I didn't do this because I needed a job or any of that. So, um, but you want to get things done. You want to accomplish. And, uh, you know, we're all, we, we in politics, in government, we come and go. And I'm not going to be here forever. One day, <laughs> there'll be someone rich that comes after me. But in the time that I'm here, I want to I wanna be able to accomplish as much as I can, and I want to be able to get done as much as I can. Okay, we've well, seen you do a lot already, and hopefully you continue to do more. I'm curious, we mentioned before that you've been in the Borough Park area your whole life. How does being a representative for a district you have lived in your whole life affect or factor into your decisions? Does that make you a different candidate than someone who might have moved there 10 years before they ran, or do you think it doesn't matter? I think it's I think it's very important. I think it's very important to come from the district, know the district, understand the district. So what I'm saying is there are different offices, for example, in Congress, you're not required to actually live in the district. In in the state, state senate and assembly, there's a there's a residency requirement prior to running for office, actually. You have to live the district a year in the district. I actually think that's an important, very, very important uh, thing. I do believe in it. I think it's uh, every district is different, every community is different, and it is very important to have someone that understands, that understands the nuances, understands on the ground. I had this uh, recently. We talk about how frustrating government is and how slow government works. And, you know, sometimes the decisions are made by bureaucrats somewhere on the thirtieth floor in a building. And I always have this argument with them. In my district, my streets, trust me, I know these streets better than you. You know how difficult it is to get a stop sign installed? You know, I mean, it's not, I know it sounds crazy. The federal requirements, obviously, and the studies, like it is one of the most difficult things to get out of that agency, out of DOT, to install a stop sign. And sometimes we ask for a stop sign or a street light. And I'm like, I know this corner. I walk these streets. My kids walk these streets. I am telling you it is unsafe. Why do we have to wait for someone to die in order to install a stop sign? 
I'm to, let's be proactive. Government is reactive. Never proactive. That's the difference between a politician, I'm not knocking anyone, and a public servant. I'm not a politician. I'm not looking to show up at the press conference after there was a tragic incident to host those press conference with the signs. I'm calling you quietly and telling you, install this streetlight or this stop sign or this speed bump or whatever it may be, because I'm telling you it's unsafe. You know, we spoke before, uh, I mentioned uh, uh, how frustrating it is for mayors, but one of the examples that I used was um, uh, that the mayor can't install their, their speed cameras without all, uh, Albany approval. I voted against I voted against the speed camera bill. Um, and I believe it's nothing more than a, a gen money generator. It's all about uh, generating my, uh, money from fines and, and be that as it may. The bill still passed. Um, when I spoke on the floor in opposition to the bill, one of the things, because many of my colleagues got up before and basically said how important this saves lives, this saves lives. And I was like, you know what else saves lives? Speed bumps, which, by the way, actually slow down cars. Someone says, don't slow down cars. I, uh, you know, it, it could, the car might get a summons in the mail, but it doesn't force the car to slow down. A speed bump forces the car to slow down. We had over here in Barbara, for example, <clears throat> 20th Avenue, I don't know how well you know the streets over there by the cemetery, by FDR High School, there's, there's a cemetery over there, so it's like five or six streets where there's no, uh, it's just, uh, no, it's only the avenue. You don't have the, 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 the intersections, the, seat, the street doesn't run through. Cars were speeding down, there were a lot of kids playing it. And we asked DOT, Install speed bumps. Took three years. Took three years to install speed bumps. They have authorization for the cameras. Those pop up overnight. You tell me it's not about. It's not about. Wow. Your... Okay. And uh, one of the things that all Jews go through is negative treatment from the press. And for you, it's double that because you're also a government official, which gets its own constant backlash and criticism from the media. And then there's also other issues which you may not get to, directly attacked for, but um, are things that are always presented as an issue. For example, yeshivas. And you are a yeshiva graduate who has defended them your whole time in office and before that. How do you deal with these constant attacks? How do you realize, uh, or do you ever get to a point where you say, these people are 100% wrong and the systems are not as destructive as they're saying, but they're just not going to change their perspective. You know, these newspapers or TV channels are here to get us forever. Um, or do you not do that? How do you deal with that type of situation? It's tough. It's not easy to fight a, a uh, media outlet that has 18 million paid subscribers. I mean, let's be honest, right? Um, yeah. Uh, you try to do your best to impress upon. Uh, unfortunately, when it came to this particular media outlet that has a history uh, of, of coverage, uh, you know, of Jewish, uh, the Jewish community, um, there, there was absolutely no interest. In other instances, you're able to uh, show the reporter why they're wrong. In some cases, you're being played by an individual that has an agenda. Um, in some instances, perhaps there are two sides to a story. 
but balance it and share both sides of the story. Um, so every every different every situation is different, uh, obviously, uh, but uh, but it could be frustrating. It's very frustrating when you feel that the you know the reporter is clearly biased and not even interested in having a uh, educating herself. So uh, yeah, it can be very frustrating, but that should not stop one from uh, continuing to do the right thing. And um, you, you go at it and you don't you don't win every time, whether it be legislatively, whether it be on the issues that you're advocating for, whether it be on constituent services. We sit here, we're here in the office. I take the constituent services portion of my job uh, very serious. As we speak outside of this office, uh, there are uh, six, seven people sitting there helping people all day. Uh, doesn't mean we're able to help everyone. Uh, doesn't mean, well, we try to help everyone. I've heard that your office has of the best responses of people that reach out. And I can tell you, even when trying to arrange this podcast episode, it was very smooth and the office was very helpful. I'm telling you, this is something that we take very, very seriously, constituent services of the, of the, uh, I have a, I have a uh, poster in my office uh, with a quote from Wayne Gretzky. Uh, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. It doesn't mean that we're able to accomplish everything, but I can assure everyone we try our best and we uh, we are at it and we give it our shot. There's no shot that we don't take. Okay, so we've heard so much about what you already have done and hopefully you continue to do that and more. I'm curious, you represent a district known for its population of Jews. When people put out Sfarim, oftentimes they get askamas or approbations from leading Rabbanim before they make their work public. Was running for office something where, where you represented the Jews and went for rabbinical approval first, or is this something that you took on your own and have done what you feel is right and have helped the Jews that way? There are many factors uh, when the decision is made to run for office, right? Obviously, we spoke earlier about your own personal and family, uh, whether you want to put all of your family through this. Then there's political support uh, within the community. Community leaders come and urge you to run. And then obviously you go to the leadership and you discuss it with leadership, whether it be, in this case, rabbinical leadership and political leadership. So I, I don't know that it's like one particular conversation. There's like, there isn't like one uh, rabbi that tells you to run or not, and if that rabbi says run, you run even if you don't want to, and if the rabbi tells you not to run, you like it's just not exactly how it works, but it's collectively, yes. I mean, there's no doubt that I uh, had uh, conversations with, uh, with uh, Das Torah as well. Okay, and we'll wrap up with the same question, which finishes every episode, which is, you've done other podcasts in English and Yiddish, you constantly answer questions from your constituents as well as the media and anyone else who stops you to talk. But despite the constant questions you're always receiving, there's always questions people are never asked that they wish they were. So looking back at all the questions you have been asked, what's the question you haven't been asked that you wished you were and what answer would you give to it? Well, if I was never asked, I wouldn't know, right? <laughs> um, look, I... I... Baruch Hashem, I, you know, I, I think at this point I've been asked everything and anything uh, appropriate or not. Uh, I mean, 
in inbounds, out of bounds, makes sense, it doesn't make sense, true or false, uh, I, I've got it all. Um, but, uh, you know, you put yourself out there, you never know what's coming your way. And um, to me, it's more of irresponsibility, right? Uh, to, to bring, if I, if I may, the two questions uh, that you, uh, the, your last two questions, if I can bring them together. Uh, when I first ran for office, I visited one of the uh, one of the rabbis, and uh, I remember him telling me, "So uh, you're gonna your siddisha yingaman, wearing a langarek or a long jacket uh, with a yarmulke on your head. There will be many that will look at you and will draw conclusions, and that's the picture that they will paint on an entire community." Fair or not, right or wrong, that's the reality. And before any speech that you can make, any vote that you take, the way you conduct yourself, uh, you need to make a, uh, a Kiddush Hashem. And I remind myself of that every day. It's a responsibility. So before you even get to uh, what the job is, the responsibility is something that I don't take lightly. And... Um, so you can get like all these type of, and obviously, you know, sometimes they try to intentionally uh, drag you into uh, something that is not really relevant to your district or to your, but like they'll call you for comment or whatever it may be. And I'm like asking myself, why am I even being called? I mean, this is so far away from my district. This is so irrelevant to my district. Uh, but don't let yourself get dragged into it. Um, so, I mean, and by the way, it's not always easy to do. So, uh, to answer your your question, unfortunately, I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of questions that you probably wouldn't believe that I got. Uh, so, I'm not sure what else. With quote unquote, what crazier could be coming? But I'm sure there will be something. If you talk to me in a couple of months from now, I will have a crazier question that came my name, but came my way. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing your journey into politics. So some of the decisions are made and the considerations behind them. I found it very interesting. And I'm sure the listeners will as well. Is there anything before we end that you want to plug for 30 to 60 seconds? There are many roles to this, to this uh, uh, job. We spoke about the legislative process. We spoke a little bit about budget. We spoke about the responsibility, uh, but we also uh, take the constituent services uh, component very, very seriously. I have an entire staff here at the office. Uh, we're here to help. Baruch uh, Hashem, I mean, I can tell you that we have brought in so many services. I mean, over the last couple of months, for example, I've seen the passport issues, the renewals, and and the new passports, the the wait time, and we've teamed up. I've teamed up with Congresswoman Clark, um, and she's her office is in my office every other Wednesday. And we brought the service to Bar Park uh, and Midwood, and uh, we're here to help people with whatever issue they may have, whether it be government whether it be a utility company, whether it be, if you have a concern, reach out to our office. 
even if we're not able to help because it may be a federal matter or local, we may be able to call someone that is able to help. We get involved in so many different issues, many of which, quite frankly, is not part of the job description. I mean, I could tell you the cases that we've worked on, whether it be fighting with an assurance company to help a child be transferred from one hospital to the other. It's not necessarily a legislator's role. Uh, but as I said, I'm not a typical politician. I'm a public servant. I'm here to help. We will we will be there. We will fight for you. Hopefully we'll get done. Well, I, I'd like to believe more times than not we do. We're able to to accomplish. But the one thing I could guarantee you is that we will try and we will fight for you every single time. Okay, thank you, Assemblyman Eichenstein, for joining and shedding light on your job and your journey. And uh, hopefully you have continued success in office. Thank you. Great talking to you. Thank you for listening to this past episode of the Jews Schmooze podcast. To get our latest updates and contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at Jews underscore schmooze. If you want to sponsor an upcoming episode, you can reach out to JewsSchmoozMarketing at gmail.com. And if you give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on, that will be tremendously appreciated. Thank you so much, and hope you're looking forward to the next episode also. Mm-hmm.